You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Abraham was a mighty man of God. He had a brother, chapter 11 of Genesis. His name was Haran. Haran had a son. His son's name was Lot, L-O-T. Lot's dad, Haran, Abraham's brother, died while Lot was still in his home. Uncle Abraham came and said, I want to raise you, Lot. I want you to come into our home and be in our home. And I will be like a father to you. I'll raise you like your dad would have raised you. Your dad was a good man. Our dad, Father Tara, he raised the, our three boys, the three of us, to love our wives eventually and love mother and dad. Your uncle is that way, Nahor. Your dad, Heron, was that way. And I've tried to be that way to your Aunt Sarah. We want you as our boy. Lot moved in with them. Abraham took such good care of Lot. Uh, he would give them so many things. And he said, I have all this cattle. Uh, let me give you some of your own cattle. I have all these sheep. Let me give you some of your own sheep. He invested his life in Lot. But one day there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's uh, Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. They began to fight. Abraham said, Lot, I don't want this in our family. I don't want there to be division in the family. And I just might want to throw this in right here. If you are in a family that you have caused the division, would you please in God's dear name humble yourself? and say, I was wrong. If you are one that has been wrong in the family, would you at least try to get the family back together? A society will be ruined. A nation will be ruined. Look at Greece. Look at Rome so many hundreds of years ago as they just self-destructed. Why? The home came under collapse. And the home began to fall apart. Our homes are falling apart in record number. Our children are being left to themselves. They shift for themselves for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner. They're spending, uh, ch children that are in elementary school are spending at least six to eight hours a day on the internet. I guarantee it, they're not prepared for that. They're gonna destroy their lives. It's a tragic thing what we see in the home today. If you're living here, if you're a member of our church or you're visiting today and your home's falling apart and, and, and your husband walked out or your wife walked out or there was adultery or fornication and, and the home, I understand, I hurt for you. And thank God you're in God's house today. That says a lot about the tremendous character of your life. And you're not a second-rate citizen. Some of the people in our church that are raising some of the very best kids are women alone, are men alone, are people that are trying to make it, are grandparents that are trying to make it. God bless you. 
I take my hat off to you. I tip my hat to you. I respect you. You're not second rate. But the goal is to keep our homes together. The goal is to have family Bible time, family meal time. I told our young couples class this morning, you raise good children from a dinner table. You talk at the table. You don't conflict at the table. You have good KNBBC music going, even type music, quiet music, not keep on the firing line. Wonderful music, happy place, a joyous place. No one just gets up and swallows their food and leaves. Oh, no, no. Mother is the one that will look, and she'll know when everyone's done, and Dad say, now, you take your plates to the counter over there, kids. You come back, thank your mother for the meal. And then you kids can get working on the dishes. Our homes are so dysfunctional. So here's this home, and Abraham poured into his son. Now his nephew, his son, said, I, I'm going to have to divide from you, Uncle Abraham, Daddy. And Abraham said this, you look and this is the well-watered plain, and if you want that, you take that. Or this plain here is not as well or good, and if you want that, take that. He said, I'll take the best. What a tragedy. A son that should have had appreciation in his heart for what his uncle had done for him. Everything he had in life, everything he had in life was because of Uncle Abraham. Now we come to chapter 18. In chapter 18, and I'm almost ready to get to the message. Chapter 18 is reflection back on the previous chapters. Chapter 13 in particular, and 15 and 19. When Lot left his uncle, he did a very foolish thing. The Bible says in chapter 13, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. He was perhaps on a bluff. And on that bluff, every day they'd open the door of the tent. His sons would come out and stretch after a good night of rest. And the Bible says in the next verse, but the men of Sodom were wicked before the Lord exceedingly. We understand from the scriptures and history, if you go to Sodom today, it is still blackened ash. It's black rocks because God said he was going to destroy Sodom. Here is Lot, he gets out of bed in the morning. He's looking in the direction of sin. Mothers and dads, let us not point our children in the direction of sin. Let's put them in the place of righteousness. The men of Sodom were wicked before the Lord exceedingly. What were they? They were called Sodomites. Men, the Bible says, burned in their lust for men. Women burned in their lust for women. It was an awful situation. God says, because your vile lifestyle, I'm going to destroy your city. Here was Lot. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. The next chapter, five, chapter 15, you find not as he's looking in Sodom, he's in Sodom. You see, we think we can handle sin. But sin is like a slippery slope. And you begin to slip and slide. And here's Lot looking at sin, and now he's living in sin, living in the city of sin. But you get to chapter 19, verse 1, and Solomon sat in the gate. To sit in the gate is a political position. He's now leading in Sodom. 
He chose to have his family leave Uncle Abraham, leave the land that God had promised to Abraham that he went by faith and found. And Israel, he left that to get to Sodom. He looked at Sodom. He entered Sodom. He led in Sodom. There was a time during all this, these chapters I've mentioned, that Lot got himself in trouble. He was taken hostage by these heathen. Uncle Abraham took 318 of his own men that were raised in his house, and they went down there and he delivered him. You'd think that this boy would be grateful. This boy who's now a man, this boy that now has grown children, but he became arrogant. You know, God will never use a pastor or a people until we humble ourselves before Almighty God. God will never restore a nation until we humble ourselves before him. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and will heal their land. Whatever happens in, in Washington, D.C. this week is not as important as God's people praying on their knees to get right with God. If the church people, if God's people would get right with God, we might be able to see something great happening in Washington, D.C. Righteousness is not legislated. Righteousness comes from the heart and humbling ourselves before our husband and say, I have been an awful wife. I humble ourselves before our wife. I've been an awful husband. I've neglected you. I've not shown respect to you. I've not spoken kindly to you. Humbling ourselves before our children, I've neglected you kids. Humbling ourselves before our parents, I've been a rebel of a son or a daughter, and I'm coming back to you. So here is Abraham. We're about where we need to get. In chapter number 18, we find that Lot is now an adult. As an adult, God announced to Abraham, I'm going to destroy that city. But Abraham had a nephew in that city. Follow with me. You count it up. In chapter 18, it says, it was Lot and his wife. You count it up. How many people so far? Then the Bible says in that text, he had two sons that were not married. How many we up to? Four. Then he had two daughters that were married. How many more? And their husbands. So he got eight. And then he had two more children, girls that were still not known a man. They were unmarried. How many are we up to? We're up to 10. We're up to 10. You know, Uncle Abraham said, you know, I know my, my boy's done so wrong. And I know he went against me and he took the best for himself and he took all these possessions and I know there was fighting and herdsmen and I know that. I know he got, got arrested by these, these people and we went and delivered him. He, he never said thank you, never said anything. And you know, Lot, uh, Abraham could have said, finally, God's gonna get him but not Uncle Abraham. That's my boy. That's my brother's son. I love my brother's son. He said, God, and here's his prayer. God, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? He was thinking perhaps a lot in this situation, knowing what's going on now, 
Perhaps he at least reached his family. Perhaps he had an influence on his wife and his sons-in-laws and his daughters that were married and his daughters that were unmarried and his boys that were not married. Uncle Abraham knew that I've got to, I've got to, I've got to talk to God on behalf of my boy, my nephew. God, would you destroy Sodom if there's 50 righteous? God says, I won't destroy it. And Abraham began to think, maybe, maybe my nephew didn't reach anybody and change their lives. And he said, now, Lord, would you, would you destroy it for 45? And he said, no, I won't destroy it for 45. And then he started down to 40. And then verse 30, 30. And then he said, how about 20 righteous people? And then he said, oh God, I know you've answered. I know I've been asking you to reduce it, reduce it. But God, this is my boy. He's gone through so much. I remember when his daddy, my brother, died. I remember seeing him in that casket. And I remember Lot, a little boy, the wound that was in his heart. He came to live with his Aunt Sarah and me. We loved Lot. Then he married. He's had these kids, and now he's got their kids are married. And he said, would you please hold back judgment for 10 righteous people? God says, I won't destroy it for 10 righteous. You know the story. The judgment came not because God did not answer the prayer, but because Lot, his own children and family, and his wife mocked him. Said, ah, there'll be no judgment here. We're okay. I get so restless through the nights. So often I get thinking about our country. And I know what your kids are going to inherit if we don't see revival. I know. I know what my generation, the garbage we're leaving for your generation. See, I had the joy of being raised in this America where just a few miles from here in public school, we had prayer every day, in public school every day. And my teacher would lead us in prayer. And every day, all through kindergarten through 12th grade, we stood and we pledged the flag of America. And drugs were wrong. And in the 60s, late, mid-60s in high school, they tried to introduce marijuana. And I remember, I tell you what, I remember, and, and boys had hair. I remember a doctor, his two boys had hair just about what my length is today, just touching the top of his ears. They were calling the principal's office, said, you're going to have to go and get that haircut because we don't allow long hair in this public school. 2,500 young people. And our cheerleaders, the yearbook shows it, our cheerleaders had long dresses below the knee. Public school. My generation introduced to us the Hate Ashbury Society, the drug culture. 
And then the rules were pulled up after I got out of high school and they said, these rules no longer matter and regulations no longer matter. We began to march on the streets against the Vietnam War. We began to burn buildings, began to destroy buildings and everything goes, whatever you want to do, however you want to live, no rules, you don't have to obey anything. If it makes you happy, do it. And because of the spineless men and women of my generation, we have given this country over to sin. We're exchanging needles now in, in public, public uh, cities, San Francisco being one. You bring your needles in, we'll give you a clean needle for your drugs. Open sewage on the streets in San Francisco. Godlessness. Profanity. A politician cannot speak without saying words of blasphemy, making little of hell. Television program does not have any value of the American family, the Bible, the Bible family. We are living in a society that my generation, who we have failed, we have given to you. And by the grace of God as a couple, we have been trying for 43 years in this place to raise up another generation that knows God. Why? I want your kids to have a happy life, a good life, a life of fulfillment. God's used it greatly. Here we have this prayer. And I want you to see the prayer in these closing moments that we have as he prays on behalf of his family. Abraham could do nothing else. Abraham had no other avenue. Some of you that way, your kids live on the East Coast, you're here. Your grandkids live in the Deep South, you're here. And thank God we can Facebook or FaceTime or whatever it's called and Marco Polo and all these other things we can do to see their faces. But wouldn't you like to just touch their little hands? Wouldn't you like to be able to be in their presence and see them? If you have little kids, have them crawl on your lap. Nine of our 13 grandkids are now saved. But we have four little kids, three are three, and one is one, the rest are, Ashton's driving a car now, it's hard to believe, or of our granddaughters on the L.A. freeway, scares me to death. Not only because she's my daughter, granddaughter, she's a woman driver. Go ahead and sue me. She'll probably be a good driver. She's like her nana. My wife, I'd rather have her drive than ride with some of you guys that are non-aggressive. I like the way she drives. We get this prayer. He had no other choice. I can't touch Lot. I can't see Lot. I can't see his sons-in-laws. I can't talk to them. They're in that city that's coming under judgment. Abraham began to pray to God. I want you to notice in this prayer, it was a persistent prayer. How about verse number 24? Pre-adventure, there be 50 righteous within this city. Well, you destroy it for 50 righteous. 50, God, just 50. Persistent. He said, no, I won't. Then he says, how about verse number 28? You just lack five. What if there's 45? Persistent. 
Okay, I won't destroy it for 45. And then verse number 29, how about for 40? And he said, no, not for 40. I'll not destroy it. Persistent, verse 30. How about for 30? How about verse 31 for 20? How about verse 32? God, if there's just 10. I don't know what you're praying for tonight, today. Just keep on praying till light breaks through. The Lord will answer. He'll answer. Just keep praying. Prayer is that Greek word, ateo, which means to crave, to desire, to ask. And God wants us to ask, ask. Oh, there's so many things. I was looking at my prayer page journal this morning, and I look at this page that's a large page, and over on this side of the miraculous kind, the things I won't even tell you about, I think it, I'd scare you to death, but only God can do this. Only God can do this. God, will you do this? I looked at that that uh, 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 backslidden page today and pages of people that are praying for that are backslidden away from God. I can't change anything. I'll always be polite to everybody. I can't change the heart. Only God can. God, could you do that? God, would you do that? Persistent. Just keep praying day after day after week after week. When we came here 43 years ago, we started that little building over there that's since been torn down with about 20 people. I'll never forget it. And immediately I said, Lord, I would like to, every day, Monday through Friday, speak to our people on a 15-minute radio broadcast. And I prayed, God, would you just give us a 15-minute broadcast? And I prayed a year, and I prayed for five, and I prayed for 10. You know, God wants us just to be persistent in prayer. And I prayed for 15 years and 20 years and nothing ever happened. And I prayed for 25 years and I prayed for 30. You know, this October, it's going to be 13 years ago that God gave us a 15-minute broadcast called Revival Time. But you know, I never made a phone call. And in October, when we opened up the very first day without ever making a phone call, we had about 70 stations across the country that God gave us on the opening day. And it's grown since then. We just picked up 16 stations in, in large areas that have a listener audience of potential over 10 million listeners on a rate. You get in your car and you turn it on in Kansas City, you can hear it and Alexandria and Richmond, Virginia and all these different places you can hear it and I'm thinking about that God did that and then on top of that we have the internet radio and it goes around the globe as this service does to about 110 countries this morning I don't say that to boast I say that God answered the prayer because you just keep on praying you just keep on praying I know I could tell you I've read so many accounts I've heard of the accounts of a wife that prayed for a husband a lifetime. And on his deathbed or her deathbed, and we've had so many stories like that around here. Every year it happens. People trust Christ as their Savior. I think I, I was, yesterday I was out door knocking over here near the old building. And I was going down Hague Street, and I got to this area, and I remember with that man, that man right there, he, he was a blasphemer. He was against God. He was not kind. He was not polite. He always had his holster there and his gun. 
he would not speak to me. I pled with him to get saved over the years and then one day he got so sick he was getting ready to die and I'd go visit him but even in those days he would not have anything to do with me. I remember a few days before his death he wanted to die at home and I walked into his house. The new nurse said, you can't see him. I said, ma'am, I've been coming to see this man and I must see him. And I always try to obey the rules of the hospital, the doctors and the nurses, but this lady didn't know what she, and, and I heard him say, let him in. And I got there on his, on his bedpost was his holsters with his guns. I talked to him by name. I said, I've witnessed to you so many times. Are you about ready to get saved? Tears filled his eyes. Tish, you know the man. Tears filled his eyes. He said, I'm ready. I'm ready. And that man that day trusted Jesus Christ as a Savior. His sweet granddaughter was murdered a few, a few weeks ago. Knew the Lord. She's in heaven. She saw Grandpa for the first time in many years now. I don't know what you're praying for. I have some things I'm praying for. I'll come to God. I'll say, God, what's with, what is it with me? What, what is it in my life that's so wrong that I can't get an answer to prayer? God, what is it? What is it? it, it reveal it to me. I, but I just keep on praying. You have not because you ask not. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Just keep praying. Keep praying for your backslidden son. Keep praying for your prodigal son. He walked out of your life. He hasn't talked to you in five years, 10 years. Keep praying for your prodigal son, your prodigal daughter. I read the account two weeks ago of a little girl that left her mother and dad's house at age 13. And they thought perhaps she was dead. They had no recollection of where she was. And now in her 20s, she finally last week, after all these years, called her mother and dad and said, I'm here, I've been here, all this place, all this time. And I just want to let you know I'm still alive. I wonder what hurts are in this room or those that are watching right now with a son, with a daughter, with a wife, with a husband, with parents, grandparents, an uncle, an aunt, and you're praying, oh God, open their eyes. They, know, they must be born again because the Bible says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot go to heaven because you're a Baptist or a Catholic or a Mormon or a Presbyterian or a Congregationalist or a Methodist. You don't go to heaven, heaven because of your pedigree. You go to heaven because they say, I'm a sinner and I've asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Oh, what a day it was when God saved my sorry soul. I wish I could tell you, oh, 63 years ago when I got saved, I wish I could tell you I've lived a perfect life since then. I've not lived a perfect life. I've failed so many times. I've done wrong. I've sinned. There's things and this and that. We all do that. I've lost my temper. I've got upset. But I tell you what, when I got saved that night, I'll never forget that glorious night as a young boy. And God saved me at church that night. I asked him to be my Savior. He wrote my name in the book of life. I'm, I'm his and he is mine. Persistent prayer. I not only find persistent prayer, but I, I find plight prayer. He was pray, plight. Look at verse 32. 
And I said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. God, I've been negotiating with you. I, I want to show you your God. I want to be polite. I can think of since I pastored this church 43 years, on two occasions I was alone. And I'd have to say it, I'm very sad to say this, I got angry with God. And I remember praying by myself, God, I don't understand it. And I was raising my voice. I was shouting out to God. And after about 15 seconds, I said, oh, God, I'm such a puny little person. And I'm speaking to a holy God, please forgive me. I don't know why God doesn't answer all my prayers. I prayed for 30 years for this property or one like this. It took all those years. But I have no right to charge God foolishly and come to his presence like I'm somebody special and you sit down here and listen to me, God. He was polite toward God. He was persistent toward God. It was personal. It was about his family. I love our family. When those boys told us they were called of God to pastor, I'd come home. We always have lived about four blocks from one another. They were serving the Lord here. I'd come home a lot, and the bicycles from the grandkids would be on the driveway. The bicycles are gone now. Those little, little voices other than the four that are left here are gone. But when God gives you somebody you love, it should be very personal. It's my family. Sometimes your kids go wayward because of a friend or because of some influence. It's to your family. Coming across America right now, witchcraft and the occult and yoga and all that's gaining steam. And some of your kids are going to get it. They've been having all these blood rituals across the country this summer. Satanic worship. Some of your kids might get involved in cults and religions. Don't you ever, ever embrace what they're doing, but don't you ever reject who they are. They're your kids. You love your son, you love your daughter, you love your family. I find a lot of times how you love your church, Ephesians 5, is how you really love your family. People are on again and off again with God's house. It shows really what the family's made up of. And I'm out of time. I would say it's, it was a powerful prayer. He was intercessing. He was an intercessor for Lot. In chapter 19, you can read it this afternoon or this week. It looks like God did not answer the prayer. God was willing to answer the prayer. But Lot was not willing to become the righteous man for his family that they desired and needed. His family was destroyed. Some scoffed and stayed when the brimstone came. His wife looked back and she was destroyed. Only two left with him. Two left. And then they created awful sin while their dad was sleeping. One one night, one another night. 
the children of Moab and the children of Ammon were created from that incestuous relationship. All because of a young man, Lot. Maybe he spun his life from the hurt of his dad's death and never got over it. But he destroyed his whole family that God invested in his care. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.